0: Coming up on Chasing the Natty, we're gearing up for week three, which is considered by many to be a slow week for college football this year, but we play college fantasy football, so there's no such thing as a slow week for us. We'll touch on some of the higher scoring potential shootouts this week, and then we'll finish off by answering another round of your fan-submitted start and sit scenarios for this weekend. All this and more coming right after this. Junior touchdown! Marvelous! Marvel! Home next to the end zone. Drop down for Franklin! Oh, majestic touchdown! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Wednesday morning. We are the College Fantasy Football Podcast on the Campus to Podcast Network. You can find us on all of your podcast feeds and on YouTube every Monday and Wednesday morning during the season at 6 a.m. sharp. If you want to support the great work we are doing here, head on over to CampusToCanton.com and subscribe there with one of our fantabulous Freaking awesome tiers. Uh, You'll find everything you need for your CFF, Debbie, C2C, and betting needs, including rankings, projections, tools, and even more than that. You can also find me and the show on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared, and the show is at Chasing the Natty, and our wonderful reoccurring guest, Mr. Justin Leo, can be found on Twitter as well, at Volume Pigs. Speaking of Justin, Justin, how are you doing, sir? How did week two go for you? And you excited about week three? Or are you oh, excited? Absolutely, about
1: week always. Threes? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm excited. Always excited every weekend for for CFF. Yeah, week two was pretty good for me. Uh, pretty successful, I'd say. Nice bounce back week from week one. Uh, so can't complain there. Uh, pretty happy about uh, Miami of Ohio's wide receiver Larva Dane going off this weekend. Uh, that was a, that was kind of a highlight. But uh, yeah, overall, I thought it was a great weekend, both from like a CFF angle, also just from a general college football angle. There was some some really nice big games there that were just good good viewing. So yeah, can't complain about that.
0: Yeah, even though Alabama lost by double digits, I so uh, that game definitely kind of lived up to the hype in my opinion. Just constant big plays all over the, all over the field. You got to see the star power on both of the teams. That game was definitely a ton of fun there but that is all past what's past is prologue we are now moving on to week 3 here a lot of you guys are getting ready to kind of start figuring out where your teams are headed this year again some of you are 2 and 0 you're excited maybe you're at the top of your boards and your leagues you're sitting there like okay here we go we got to keep we got to keep it going here We got to make sure we continue to make those starts right some of you are kind of in the middle you're 1 and 1 right now you're like okay this can kind of go either way maybe you The one game you lost was kind of close, and maybe the one game you won was super lucky, and the other game you got blown out on. Definitely a lot to consider over the next couple of weeks, but like I said, we'll get into week three here in just a second. I do want to... Actually, no. We'll go ahead and get into some of these games here, Justin. Uh, Again, we got five games this week. Again, it's not not a ton of heavy-hitting matchups this week. We do have a couple of conference versus conference games, which is always nice to see. This early on in the season. I think we'll go ahead and start with our first one here. And that is number 11. Tennessee heading on over to the Swamp in Florida. Tennessee the 7 point favorite here. Over under of 59. So both teams ex- expected to put up some points in this game. Obviously we know all the guys we love there over at Tennessee. You know you got your Joe Miltons. You got your score wise that so people are kind of hoping really kind of finally breaks out in a game here. But you know. You got your Jalen Brights and stuff like that. I think it's kind of interesting, though, Justin, that Vegas, at least, is expecting Florida to put up some points in this game. So where do you think those points are going to come from, from the Gators?
1: Yeah, it is kind of interesting. I mean, I guess Tennessee's defense is not really known to be uh, elite. Uh, usually it's sort of an offensive-led team. But on Florida's side, uh, you know, I think they have this wide receiver named Ricky Pearsall uh, who's kind of quietly been pretty productive through two games. Uh, you know, seems to be, I think, 13 targets in the first game against Utah, seven targets week two. Uh, so he's been kind of like quietly productive for them. Uh, obviously, they run the ball quite a bit as well. They kind of split carries there, though, between some of their guys like Montreal Johnson, uh, Etienne's little brother. Uh, so, I mean, if you're in like a best ball league or something like that, I mean, having one of those running backs this week, uh, that could be an interesting play. I, I like Pearsall though. I mean, he seems to be a guy that they like to target quite a bit in the past game. I mean, even say what you want about their quarterback play and how efficient, you know, he is. Uh, but if Pearsall is going to continue to see the target volume that he has through the first couple of weeks, and I mean, he had sort of a really good game against Utah, which I would say is probably a better defensive team or at least comparable to Tennessee, I don't see why you couldn't do it again this week. Uh, so those, yeah, those would be a couple names, but mainly Pearsall would be one that sort of stands out to me.
0: Yeah, I definitely would target maybe Pearsall in like a PPR league if you're kind of struggling there to fit one last guy into the flex position. I think that he, you're kind of hoping he scores, but I think with the volume, like you said, with the volume we've seen him get over the last couple of weeks, he's averaging 10 targets through the first, um, 10 targets per game through the first two games of the season here. Again, it's small sample size, but I think, that, you know, if he's able to reel in if he's able to reel in like 70 percent of those targets, that's a pretty safe floor for you in most leagues right there. So I I think that's a great call out there with Pearsall. Again, Trevor Etienne, again, the the key here is Tennessee's defense. You kind of touched on it there. They're not typically known for you know, doing pretty well. They had a pretty decent rush defense last year as their secondary that just got absolutely torn up at times last year. Look at sets and Bennett's performance against them. Look at what Spencer Rattler was able to do to them down the stretch last year. So I, I get all the more reason to probably throw out Ricky Pierce all there. If you trust Graham Mertz to get him the ball. But I, in my opinion, again, having watched Tennessee, their defense does look better this year, especially their secondary. It's just, you know, they, played nobody so far they played a bad virginia offense and they have played against austin p which they struggled against a little bit last week but that was more offensive issues than it really was defensive issues again six points to austin p in the first half not going to knock you too much there um i'm trying to think of anything else we could really bring up because again we know the guys at tennessee that people are kind of targeting there i kind of brought up squirrel white earlier this week uh, when it came to kind of the freak out list. But Justin, since I have you here, I'm going to ask you, like, where are you on score wide? A lot of people drafted him pretty highly, like third, fourth round range. Do you have him on any of your rosters? And if you do, are you, like, where, it, or if you don't, where would you be if you did have him?
1: Yeah, it's, a, um, it's an interesting question. I was just quickly pulling up the stats here. I don't have him on any of my rosters. And I actually haven't really been watching or following Tennessee that much. Uh, if you follow my my writing, I don't think I've touched on any of their players yet. So it's it's sort of uh, woefully neglected this program. So thank you for bringing this to my attention. I'm um, looking at Scroll White stats here. I mean, uh, he still has seven targets in each of his like in both games. Which uh, to me, that's kind of the number like six, seven targets. It's it's not bad. It's not fantastic, but like it's it's good enough to be like okay. Well, I mean, he's still still a feature, quite a heavy feature in the offense at least uh you know the production hasn't been there obviously but they haven't really needed them also in the first couple of weeks so it's kind of a double-edged like it, it's difficult to interpret whenever a team has been in blowouts you never really want to sure. definitively say you know like this is how it's going to look for the rest of the season but this actually this game will be a really interesting one because this would be a game where you'd expect player like white to be used if he's going to have a good game and be a good player this season these would be the types of games where you expect them to sort of show out uh so i wouldn't be panicked like in panic mode yet on white uh, if I was a shareholder, but uh, this would be a pretty important game for me uh, this weekend. And if it doesn't go well this weekend, I might start thinking about, you know, uh, hitting the panic button.
0: Yeah, I definitely w- would agree. I'm trying to pull up um, the stats here real quick. Cause there's something I wanted to check on, make sure I'm not um, crazy here. Cause again, you are talking about like, oh, like they haven't really needed him the last couple of games, but you would think that like, Give him like what Joe Milton is like. He's got the cannon for the arm and everything like that. We saw that like yeah. I, I said it a thousand times over the offseason that you know he's he's one receiver that Joe Milton can't out throw just because of his speed here. But it's been really the first couple of games when he does take the deep shots, it's not Squirrel White that's getting them. Squirrel White's A dot so far this year is three point eight. It's Ramel Keaton. So is that kind of a little bit more reason maybe to worry there that they're just not taking the shots down to Squirrel White again? Health is an issue here. Again, we know that White sure. was banged up during the fall. and so maybe you know that's affecting White a bit more than we were kind of led to believe here. Um, I don't know. Just another data point I wanted to throw out there that again it is kind of a little weird how they're using Squirrel so far this year in terms of like what this offense is looking like.
1: Yeah, I did just notice that he's averaging like seven point five yards per reception, something like that. So he's not exactly fulfilling sort of the role uh, that if you drafted them, probably in that third, fourth round range that you're expecting, uh, it hasn't gone to plan so far, but doesn't mean it can't turn around. Uh, you know, first two weeks, obviously ha- hasn't looked good, but you know, we've seen stranger things happen in CFF. So I, I wouldn't hit the absolute panic button yet, uh, but you're definitely sort of looking at this game a little bit nervously.
0: All right, let's move on to our next game here. Let's go talk about a little AAC versus CUSA um action here actually was cusa versus cusa game last would have been last year but we got north texas versus louisiana tech here louisiana tech the four and a half point favorite and here is the wonderful part an over under of 68 points freaking galore in this game is expected for this weekend which of course means it's going to finish like 20 to 18 Uh, by the end of the day because that's just how things have been going so far this year when I expect a high scoring matchup between two uh, G5 or former G5 programs here but we have a little bit of uncertainty kind of surrounding both of these programs again a lot of points expected in this matchup but Smoke Harris looked great for Louisiana Tech but then kind of fell off a little bit last week and then North Texas is supposed to be a great passing offense but Stone Earl hasn't been fantastic. He's been kind of up and down. They haven't really settled in on like one major guy for those receivers. So Justin, if you're looking at this matchup as a potential place to kind of find some hidden points amongst the players within it, who are you looking at?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you covered a couple of the names there. I mean, Smoke Harris had that banger of a week zero performance uh, and he hasn't really followed that up since Uh, the target volume was still there. The week before last, I guess week one. Uh, but the production sort of didn't really match, uh, which is fine. Usually, like for me, I don't usually worry too much about those types of performances. But last weekend, uh, even the volume wasn't there. Like, I, I don't know that the target's off the top, but I'm pretty sure he was only targeted like three or four times, if that, in that game. Uh, so that was kind of worrisome, although it, you know, it was a comfortable game for Louisiana Tech. So I don't know, maybe that had something to do with it. Uh, but that's this is two weeks in a row now where Harris hasn't really followed up that week zero performance. So you are kind of wondering, like, okay, what, what is he this season? Right? And he had a great start, but is he sort of just reverting back to sort of what he's always been, uh, which he, he's always been a pretty solid player. It's just he's never been a fantastic CFF player. Uh, he's kind of more of this, you know, possession style wide receiver. He gets a lot of volume, but he doesn't always get all the yardage and the touchdowns. Uh, but this would be a game where you expect it to be close. You, you know, the, the over-under is pretty high, you're expecting a lot of points. So you'd expect that in this game, he would show up uh, in a pretty major way. Uh, on the North Texas side, you know, I think they've, they've got this kid Macklin, uh, younger cousin of that wide receiver who played for the Eagles many years ago. I believe his name is Jeremy Macklin something like that. Uh, so he's got a good bloodline, good, good family ties. Uh, he's been doing well the past couple games. I don't think he's been like an absolute target hound, uh, but he's done well with the volume that he's had. I think he's got like three touchdowns in two games. Uh, so, you know, the target numbers aren't really outstanding with him. So that can be kind of precarious. You know, you're always waiting for the, the, the bottom to fall out there of the production. Uh, but, you know, you never know. And, and he's been doing pretty well for the first two weeks. So I'd, I'd be interested to see sort of uh you know does he keep it up through three weeks i mean if he continues to torch it three weeks in a row uh i think for a lot of people this guy's probably available in their leagues still off of off of waivers so he would be a really hot asset probably this time next week if he has another good game in this one uh but yeah those are kind of the two names that sort of stand out to me uh, for these two teams
0: yeah i would agree jamori macklin is definitely kind of i I don't want to say underrated right now because like you said like He's only got 14 targets through two games, so seven targets per game. Like you said, it's like right along that threshold where you're you're happy with it, that he's getting that consistently kind of week to week there. Yeah. And the good news is that he is explosive when he does get the ball. Again, 26.1 yards per reception. Now, I do think that'll regress a little bit. That's just kind of an insane number to keep up right there. But, you know, again, like, it's not like North Texas is facing the toughest of defenses, so maybe it regresses a little bit, but... No, if he's still hovering around that nineteen, twenty yards per reception range, you're you're gonna be more you're gonna be more than happy with that. If he's getting um seven targets per game here, and clearly, like again, like you said, three touchdowns for two games. Again, I'm afraid that might that's that, that could regress a little bit right there as well. Because, like you said, he's not the clear number one guy, but definitely something mm-hmm. to keep an eye on. And then, of course, Smoke Harris. fact that he went from having 10 targets and 11 targets the first two weeks of the season to four last week now here's the thing again they played northwestern state last week their first two opponents were fiu and smu two other group of five competitions relatively close games well i say relatively close games they got absolutely destroyed by smu but still forced him to pass versus against northwestern state they were the ones doing destroying they didn't have to pass nearly as much Maybe not as much reason to worry. Again, you're going up against North Texas this week. These are teams that have faced each other in the past that are relatively on the same line as each other. I would expect somewhat of a bounce back week for Smoke Harris. If you're have if you have him sitting on your bench and you're looking at that last bench or that last flex spot and you're sitting there like, mm, can I count on him again this week? I'd probably the roll. I'd I'd be willing to roll the dice on him.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: All right. Moving on here, let's go to Vanderbilt at UNLV. What's up what's up with the SEC with all these weird road trips this this season? Like the SEC never plays on the road at Group of 5 programs and like lat- this week we got Alabama going to South Florida and yeah. Vanderbilt going to UNLV. Like what is going on here? Anyway, Vanderbilt only a 4 point favorite in this game and the over under is 60 and a half. Vanderbilt, you know, they've looked decently impressive over the last couple of weeks. Their offense makes them look competitive in the games that they are in. With A.J. Swan, when he's not throwing interceptions, he looks pretty decent. Uh, Obviously got the duo wide receiver there of Will Shepard and Jaden McGowan. And you got two running backs there in Patrick Smith and Cedric Alexander they seem able to pretty rely on. But, Justin, what about this UNLV offense? This has not been an offense that's been, like, we talked about, like, Brennan Marion going over there as their offensive coordinator. It's a go-go offense. You got Doug Brumfield there. A lot of people liked his dual threat ability. They seem to have disappointed so far. But according to Vegas here, they're looking at putting up at least four touchdowns this week, at least according to the betting numbers. Where is that pointage coming from with the Rebels?
1: Yeah, it, it is an interesting line. You know, I, I would have expected Vanderbilt to be uh, much more favored. I guess you know, like most people. Uh, and yeah, as you mentioned, uh, it's V team so far this season has sort of disappointed some of the expectations. Uh, you know, you mentioned at the top there this go-go offense that's coming in. They had a couple of names at wide receiver uh, that were interesting in the off I talked about Ricky White. So far, he's disappointed. He's been a uh, you know total dud, I would say in CFF. Uh, there's also that. Transfer, Juco transfer, I believe, Jacob de Jesus. Uh, I'm hoping he doesn't pop off this weekend because I literally just dropped him in our 24 team league, Nate's uh, Dynasty League. Uh, so that'd be unfortunate if he does. But I mean, this feels like a game where he could. uh I mean, certainly Vegas seems to think that there's going to be a lot of scoring on both sides. um And if UNLV is going to score, I mean, uh Jesus, he has actually seen decent target volume. Like, I think it's like around six or seven targets per game so far. So he, he's. You know, he's still decently involved. I think he's the most targeted player on that team. Uh, It's just that, like, the production hasn't really been there. Um, So, yeah, I mean, if they get it going in this game versus Vanderbilt, which, you know, Vandy's defense isn't all that, uh, it could be the perfect sort of storm for a nice shootout back and forth. Uh, Definitely, I think, on the Vandy side, you're looking at, once again, Mr. September, uh, he hasn't disappointed yet. You know, three three straight weeks, two touchdowns each. Uh, but really, if you just I think the number that you want to look at is the target volume. Uh, I mean, he's, I don't have the numbers again off the top, but I, I know his targets are, are crazy <laughs> through the first uh, three weeks, especially this last weekend. I know he saw like double digit targets. Um, so he's been he's been popping off. Uh, and even his teammate, Jane McGowan, uh, has been doing doing work. And even the freshman, actually, that they have there, London, London Humphreys, I believe his name is. Uh, I have a share of his, uh, again, in in Nate's uh, Dynasty League. So I was pleased to see him pop off this weekend. I believe he scored like 20 fantasy points uh, within the PPR setting. So, yeah, they've got some dudes in that wide receiver room. uh, And they run a pretty fun offense. And uh, like I said, yeah, it seems like Shepard's their guy. Whenever they're in the sort of 20, 30-yard range, they're sort of looking at him in the end zone. So.
0: Yeah, I'm try- I, I I was trying to look up his targets from the last couple of weeks. It It, it is truly, truly funneled between him and McGowan. Over the last three weeks, Shepard has 29 targets. McGowan has 26. And then London Humphries, who you mentioned, he has eight. So it's clearly those top two guys right there. That's what you want to see in offenses like this, especially in an offense like Vanderbilt that's going to be forced to pass in the next upcoming weeks. It's just... Do you trust Vanderbilt to actually put it in the end zone? That's I, I trust him to do it against UNLV, but once they get to you know SEC competition, there, um, yeah, for sure. I I will Shepard. He'll he'll be great again this weekend. Again, two touchdowns per week through three weeks. Like that uh, once again, the the regression alarms going off in my head, saying like, there's no way he's going to be able to keep that up if he is. He's just having a very special start to the season there. Um, I would probably expect McGowan to probably find his way into the end zone at some point this week. Again, through th- through three weeks, he's got zero touchdowns while Shepard's got six. I feel like they're going to show him some love this weekend here. Um, and then you talked about the UNLV side here. Ricky Whiteman, like, he, like you said, 11 targets through two games, so you're only averaging 5.5 targets per game. And he's only caught four of them. So that's two receptions yeah. per game right there. Again, he's had a case of the dropsies last couple of games. Hopefully he gets that fixed because clearly they're trying to throw the ball his way But, like, these aren't even really that high value of targets here. Now, Jesus is definitely, I think, going to be interesting. Like, if Ricky White continues to fall off here, and once they get into conference play, I do think he could be pretty interesting as the more reliable guy. Because, like, Ricky White has a 36% reception rate versus De Jesus has 90%. No. Ricky White has much harder balls to catch. He's being targeted downfield more versus De Jesus is, like, two to three yards downfield when he catches his balls. But even still, like, probably a bit more reliable in a PPR league right there. Um, and Again, there's not really anything else here. The only thing is, like, I'm kind of having my fingers crossed for a true Cedric Alexander breakout game again. He had one in week one there. Kind of regressed back again this week. Hopefully he can once again take over against UNLV this week. And there's just nothing in the rushing department on for UNLV. They're, they're, they're going full committee over there. All right, moving on to our next game here. By the way, I, I just want to point out that... I just want to point out that four out of the five games that we're discussing here today are all at 7 p.m. This is That is not me forgetting to change the graphics, y'all. They're all 7 p.m. on Saturday night on different channels. I just found that super, super funny that all the high-scoring games are at once. Anyway, another... Bye-bye. What'd you say? I was just saying primetime. Heck yeah, primetime. Uh, speaking of primetime, kind of a fun G5 matchup here that quite frankly deserves better than ESPN+. San Jose State taking on Toledo. Probably two teams that are relatively favored in their uh, co- their own conference races here. Obviously, San Jose State out of the Mountain West. Toledo out of the back here. Over under uh, 58.5. Toledo favored by eight points here. The kind of question I have here with this team, Justin, is, again, we know Toledo has a fairly solid defense. Again, if you look at our numbers, look at the numbers over at uh, C2C Winning Edge with Nicholas Ian Allen, the talent rating for Toledo rivals some uh, mid- to low-tier Power 5 teams. So they're a very solid defense, and it's like, they're great by G5 standards here. So... Do we worry about some San Jose State players going into this game? Or do you think that, you know, that offense is good enough to where they're still going to be able to put some points on the Rockets here? How are you feeling about this, Justin?
1: Yeah, this one's interesting. And for, for whatever reason, the uh, the MAC teams and the Mountain West Conference teams seem to play a lot of other conference games like each year. I don't know what the, the, the connection is there. But in general, I usually find that the Mountain West teams are better than the MAC teams. Uh, In this case, though, I'm not sure if that's the case. I I think Toledo is sort of one of the top teams within the MAC this year, Uh, and as you mentioned, I mean their defense is is pretty talented and has been pretty good. Uh, So, I mean, I think this is a pretty like even game, and it's really hard to sort of pick an edge either way. Uh, As far as your question, am I worried about San Jose's players versus Toledo's defense? I mean, I don't know. I mean. I don't think I'd feel terrible about having to play uh, Cordero uh, this week against Toledo. Uh, but, I, I mean, I guess I wouldn't feel fantastic about it either. You know, I, I, don't, I don't really feel too strongly one way or the other because I'm not really sure how to uh, how to measure it. I mean, Toledo, yes, they have a pretty good defense G5-wise. But I, I generally feel that the Mountain West Conference teams are better than back teams. So it, it's, it can be kind of a difficult um, interpretation, I would say, going into it. So yeah, it's sort of a non-answer. Uh, I really don't feel you know bad or good about having to start the San Jose player versus Toledo.
0: I mean, if it makes you feel better, I'm pretty much the same way. Where like, if I, it's one of those things where like, if I had Chevon Cordero in a starting role this week, I would definitely be looking to my bench, being like, is there anybody I could possibly play that could have a better matchup this week? But also, if I do end up having to start him, I'm like, okay, I'll go ahead and start him if. Toledo's defense is is good enough to stop him. It it is what it is at that point. Like, I'm not going to feel too bad about it come someday. I'll be like, okay, hindsight 2020. Probably should have trusted our evaluation on Toledo's defense just a little bit more. But for the most part, kind of cool there. Um, Sneaky plays here. Um, I think that uh, Junior the third, who's seen eight targets per game over the last two games for uh, Toledo there. I think could be kind of sneaky. Again, he obviously needs to catch the ball a little bit better than he has been. Again, only a 56% reception rate there, but he's already over 100 yards same with his partner there and uh Juju and Newton uh who's who's over 100 yards as well and he's actually caught both of the tu- uh two of the touchdowns so far from uh DeQuan Finn there. So I think that's kind of two sneaky plays there if you're kind of looking for somebody to kind of throw into your lineup there. Otherwise, Maybe Nick Nash out of San Jose State. And then if they could just get him more volume, I really like Quali Conley moving forward for San Jose State, especially once like Kyrie Robinson is out of there. I think he is the better back out of the two. It's just they seem pretty hell-bent on making sure that that's a split backfield over there with the Spartans. Anybody else that you kind of think of in this game as kind of a sneaky play, Justin, or do we kind of cover everybody?
1: Yeah, I think you covered everybody pretty much.
0: All right, sounds good. Let's hit our last game here. The only game not at 7 o'clock. This one's at 8 o'clock. This one's on Fox. TCU versus Houston are a conference matchup here. You'll love to see it, and you'll love to see a conference matchup that is this high scoring. TCU, favored by 7.5 points here, over-under of 64.5. So lots of points expected in this one. And who—I mean— I don't think anybody can really blame the odds makers here. We saw what Colorado was able to do to TCU. We saw what Rice was able to do to Houston last week. We've seen both of these teams put up points when they need to. I think that this could be in the makings for another really good shootout here. Justin, where are your eyes trained in this game for potential kind of sneaky plays?
1: Yeah, I don't know how much, you know, how how sneaky... Uh, some of the plays that I'll mention here. I mean, uh, with Houston, you know, I, I as a shareholder of Donovan Smith, I was I was sort of uh, not pleased last weekend with basically the seventy five percent of that game versus Rice. Uh, you know, they they were sort of they got down like twenty eight nothing in like the first quarter. It was it was sort of a uh, had to sort of double do a double take at the score and I looked at Donovan Smith's points and he's basically uh, he's having a dud basically that entire game and he kind of got saved at the end where. You know he scored a touchdown late. They went to overtime, and then all of a sudden, you know, he scores another couple touchdowns, and all of a sudden he has like a great day. So I, I don't know what to make of Donovan Smith, uh, but as far as this game, I mean, we saw what Colorado did to TCU in that first weekend. So you know that 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 does provide some confidence as far as how Donovan Smith can be this weekend. As far as sneaky plays, I mean, again, you know, there's the the two wide receivers for Houston. I think most people probably know them by now, Ma- Matthew Golden. Uh, and the younger guy, Sam Brown, Brown Sam, Sam Brown, yeah, who actually seems to be, you know, more so the, the, the lead target man there. I, I know Golden's getting the touchdowns, uh, but Brown seems to be, um, and you can double check this.
0: I, yeah. I was about to say, Golden actually surpassed Brown in targets after this past week.
1: Okay, okay, so but, okay, that's good to know. But Brown
0: so. still has more perceptions because Golden can't stop dropping balls.
1: I see. Okay. Maybe that's what I was thinking of either way. Like it seems like both of those guys are kind of uh, equally involved in the passing attack. I wouldn't really it's say 1A, one, a one clear. Yeah, basically. So uh, I mean, uh, you can't really go wrong. If you, if you have to play either of those in this game again, you know, Vegas expects them expects there to be a lot of points here. Uh, I'd expect there to be a lot of points here. So that, that's a reasonable play uh, on the TCU side. I, I don't really know much about their team. Uh, I know, you know, basically both of their running backs had a really good week one, Trey Sanders, three touchdowns. Uh, and then, of course, Bailey was there who uh, kind of got all the yards but not the scores. Um, you know, if you had to play a running back from them this week, I'd probably roll with Bailey. He seems to be the guy who actually gets the carries there. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as, like, anybody else on TCU, I, I can't really say, like, I, I feel very strongly about playing somebody else uh, from that team. I, I suppose the quarterback in this game. Again, this is a game expected to have a lot of scoring, so perhaps uh, that could be an interesting play. Uh, but besides that, there isn't really anybody off the top of my head uh, that really stands out.
0: Yeah, I think I think the Imani Bailey call out is a really good one. He's rostered at only twenty three percent of leagues right now. If you're, you know, if you make it to Saturday and you know one of your top running backs is suddenly out with an injury or something like that, and you need to quickly just pick up somebody off the waiver wire there, I think Bailey would be a very, very good play for you uh, for the most part. And then again, looking at this wide receiver situation for TCU, it's just hell. It's it's They're spreading it around between so many different guys here that Warren Thompson, the, I believe he transferred over from Arkansas, is currently the top target. And I don't think anybody expected him to be the top target through two weeks in the season right here. Because uh, J.P. Richardson's there, Jalen Robinson, the old Miss and UCF transfer, is hanging around. JoJo Earl, Dylan Wright's back. Savion Williams, who a lot of people liked, has only five targets on the season. It's just a whole mess over there. I, I, if you're like wanting to try to big, big brain a play out of those receivers, I think you're going to end up being more lucky than actually making a good play. If that makes sense. All righty. Justin, that kind of finishes up our our top five high scoring matchups we talk about for this week. Let's go ahead and get over to these start questions that people are probably dying for us to get into here. But before we get too far, I do want to go ahead and give people an update on where you and I are sitting on our competition here, <laughs> Justin. Uh, we both had a really really good weeks last week. Um, it was actually kind of insane you so week one you scored um i I knew i forgot to set this back up anyway um you scored 105 points in week one week two you scored 195 oh yeah that's a nice
1: improvement and then we're getting
0: better yeah you're getting better and then like i scored 151 i scored 206 this past week but like You're, you're cat. You're, 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 I I better watch out here with some of my picks here because you're, you're definitely getting, you definitely improved from week one to week two there. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a, it was a fun pick on last week. Um, trying to think some of the ones that you absolutely destroyed me on. You had me on the, um, Will Shepard, Trey Benson was, was so close, dude. That was so, so close last week. Um, and then I, Oh, good lord! Oh yeah, you you got me on the Benjamin the Eurosec versus Bowers one. Bowers completely disappeared this past weekend. That yeah, that he played hard. like one
1: series and then yeah. dropped the pass and then he was out. I think yeah, yeah,
0: pretty. <laughs> it was it it it, it kind of sucked for all of us anchor tight end players last week because again, like yeah, Bowers disappointing. Then Aronde Gasson gets injured after like yeah. one drive. Um. But yeah, it was it was it was super, super close last week. I think what ended up being the decider was I picked Marvin Harrison Jr. versus you picked Keon Coleman in one of the pickems. And I honestly think that was just kind of more luck than anything else because like Keon Coleman absolutely could have done the exact same thing that Marvin Harrison Jr. did. It just happened to not happen. Yeah.
1: Anyway, yeah, that, that's just how it goes, right? So, I mean, there, there's an element of luck involved with these. Exactly.
0: So, again, you're I'm at, I'm at 357 for the year. You're at 301. Plenty of opportunity for you to catch up because, again, I can have one bad week and you're right back in it. So, let's make sure that doesn't happen. And let's pick some good picks this week, Jared. And uh, Justin, hope you make some bad picks because, you know, I'm competitive like mm-hmm. that. Anyway. Mm-hmm. As always, we got two quarterback questions, two running back, two wide receiver, and two flex, and two, and excuse me, one tight end question for you guys. These are submitted to us on Sunday through Tuesday at noon. Be on the lookout on the at Chasing Natty Twitter handle. Um, I post usually around lunchtime on Sundays. Gives you guys plenty of time to so go ahead and, to go ahead and get a look at your rosters for next week. Go ahead and know uh, who you're targeting on the waiver wire. And you can submit your questions down there below, usually, I kind of put i try to post the instructions on what are the limitations there, so be sure to look out for that so Justin, let's go ahead and get into this first one here. first quarterback question this one comes to us from mr J theme. I hope I am pronouncing that correctly there Jay we got three quarterbacks here. I think justin every single question we have this week is a Has involves three players except for the tight ends. So just letting you know, hold on to your butt. Um, Mm -hmm. We're deciding between JT Daniels, quarterback out of Rice, going up against Texas Southern this upcoming weekend. We got Shavon Cordero, quarterback out of San Jose State, going up against Toledo. We just talked about that game a minute ago. And we got Garrett Schrader, quarterback out of Syracuse, going up against Purdue. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Justin which quarterback are you starting out of these 3 here?
1: Yeah, uh so yeah, so I guess the the graphic is a little bit off, but yeah, Schrader is playing Purdue, Corniero is playing Toledo. That, gummit, uh, I, I
0: always mess one of these up.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, sorry. I didn't mean to like point it out. There's more just for myself. No, it's all good. M- I, Mental I, processing.
0: If you didn't yeah. point it out, I was going to notice it at one point.
1: No, <laughs> no it's, it's all good. Uh yeah, okay, for, so how, how many are we starting, one or two? One. One for this just one. Just one. Okay, cool. Yeah, for this one, uh okay, so JT Daniels had like a good game last week, obviously, against Houston, but that kind of just came out of nowhere. I, I don't know if I really trust him. Like I, you know, especially if there were a couple of decent options who have been here for, you know, at least a season. I mean Cordero and Schrader. Uh, you know, Schrader was a bit volatile last season, but he was he was a good player last season and Cordero also was. Uh so immediately that's I sort of eliminate Daniels from the discussion. Uh, And then regarding these two, you know, we kind of mentioned it. I mean, Cordero's matchup, it's fine. It's not amazing. Uh, Schrader's matchup is also, I mean, it it doesn't really stand out one way or the other, but they they did play Purdue last year. Um, Syracuse did. And Schrader in that game had a pretty good game. Uh, Obviously, teams are different now. Things can change. It's just one game. But, um, you know, I mean, Schrader's been pretty good so far this season through two weeks. I mean, he hasn't been fantastic, but he hasn't let you down any weekend uh he hasn't had a performance where if you started him, you would feel terrible about it so I think uh on the safe side here I'd probably roll with Schrader versus Purdue righty
0: I am going to disagree we're we're starting off good here we're um, we're gonna disagree on the first one here <laughs> um no it's it's a close one to me between Cordero and schrader again Daniels I think is interesting moving forward because their first week only like 20-something passes, but if I remember correctly, it wasn't like, again, or um, who did they, or they played against Texas, so like, they were trying to get out of that game pretty quickly. They knew they didn't really have much of a chance. They're still trying to run the ball in that game, but that's kind of where things got interesting this past week against Houston, is that Daniels threw 42 times this past week. Now, granted, again, a couple of overtimes probably inflated that a little bit there. I think it is, like you said, it's a little too soon to think that he is truly like a game-to-game starter here, but Rice's running game is awful. And you have JT Daniels, who has, is known for being a pretty darn good passer, and he has a true number one wide receiver in Luke McCaffrey there, and a couple others in the posse there that I think he could rely on, on a week-by-week basis. If Rice was smart, in my opinion, I think they would try to kind of go full air raid, kind of give up on the run game most weeks there. Worked out pretty well for them against... Uh, against Houston this past week so again Daniels interesting probably okay with him being on the waiver wire or on my bench this week I'm going to roll with Shayvon Cordero who I think is the safest option out of this bunch right here you mentioned already Syracuse they looked good against Purdue last year that's a really good data point right there problem is again Robert Danae now off at NC State you got Jason Beck there who is now running the offense and again, you're right. They look good through the first couple of weeks here. Problem is, their two opponents were a tuba toothpaste and um, God, who did they play? Oh, uh, Western Michigan last week, and Western Michigan's supposed to be one of the worst teams in the entire country at the F-, F, excuse me, at the FBS level. So it's a little hard to judge just how well Syracuse can do in that offense moving up to Purdue. They'll probably be fine. But I think I'm going to roll with Javon Cordero. Again, experienced quarterback here in that Brendan offense over there at San Jose State. It's a bit of a tougher matchup, I would say, for the most part. But at the, again, I think they're going to be able to find some points there. I'm going to roll with Cordero. And we are going to go ahead and sit our Mr. Daniels and Mr. Schrader. So, all right, there we go.
1: Got the graphics going.
0: All right. Any any rebuttal to that? Or are we ready to move on to the next
1: quarterback no, question? I, I think that's fair. I mean, yeah, like I said, I was pretty, pretty close between the two also, so I, mean, I don't feel too strongly about one or the other.
0: Absolutely fair. And one last thing I will do with each of our questions from here on out because our projections over at Campus of Canton have been fine-tuned and they are fully ready to go to help you guys the rest of the season here. Yes, this is kind of a mid-roll ad for the com, but our player projections are up and available for you guys. They are absolutely incredible. I was playing around with them all day today. And so in order to promote them, I'm actually going to throw out here uh, which um what they are saying here and again we're going to agree with them sometimes and we're going to disagree with them sometimes and uh, already in the first one both of us are disagreeing here justin because our projections have daniels at 25.64 fantasy points versus schrader and cordero schrader has uh 23.08 and cordero all the way down to 18.4 i think that's interesting mostly because again this is six point passing uh, scoring in our projections and one point PPR negative two per interception I think it's heavily heavily cons- throwing in there that you know it's going to be a blowout situation Daniels as a G5 quarterback probably not going to get pulled as early as some of these you know national championship contending quarterbacks or conference contending quarterbacks So they're probably it's probably projecting him to score more touchdowns than the other two here I just don't know if I'm ready to quite believe that, like uh, our projections are here, as we kind of mentioned just a moment ago. So, but still, Jay, if you want to listen to solely our projections, you roll with Daniel. So, you know, maybe I should maybe I should create a third column and, and like and like and start keeping track of the projections and see like if we can if we can beat the beat the model.
1: Yeah, that'd be interesting to see how we stack up against. Uh, you know, yeah, as you said, the model.
0: I don't know. I'll, I'll probably hear from Tim and be like, "Don't do that." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let's go ahead and move on to our next question here. We got another one here. This one comes from us from I'm Costin on Twitter, as well as Chris B, because this involves three players, but Chris B asked a question, a quarterback question that involved two of the players in this question. So like it's it Costin and Chris B, you're both involved here. This is a pick two. We got Austin Reed versus Ohio State. Or we got Tyler Shuck going up against Tarleton State. Or we have Cameron Ward going up against North Colorado. We got two conundrums of college fantasy on opposite ends here. We got our absolute stud in Austin Reed. Our guy that's supposed to be matchup proof going up against a matchup that's probably a little too scary for a lot of us to start even though we love Austin Reed. But then on the other side here... We got two guys here going up against FCS competition here. So there's that other area where you're sitting there wondering, all right, how how quickly are they going to get pulled? I think it is kind of important to note that typically these FCS games in week three, especially among Power 5 teams... You do see the quarterbacks pulled a little bit earlier. Because again, like, you know, week one, even if it's an SES opponent, they want to get their quarterbacks out there. They want to get some live reps for them. Versus week three, they already got the live reps. We kind of know what they're they're getting out of their quarterbacks at that point. They're probably more willing to throw out guys just to see what they have in there, especially in the case of Texas Tech. You got Baron Morton sitting in there on the bench. Cameron Ward, you got a couple of guys behind him that the staff probably wants to see what they're made of. So, kind of opposite conundrums here. I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm going to roll the dice on the two players playing FCS competition here. I would rather shoot for the upside there, hope they're in for a long time, and hope they score five or six touchdowns before they're done for the day, than go with Austin Reed, who should perform still decently well. I'll get to his uh, performance against Power 5 competition in the past, but I think I'm still just... I'm scared that his ceiling is 100% capped versus Tyler Shuck and Cameron Ward can definitely have a much higher uh, much higher floor and ceiling. So I'm going to roll with those two and I'm going to sit Austin Reed. Again, Austin Reed, just look at his, competi- his uh, performance against Power 5 competition last year. Again, against Auburn, 26 for, f- for 55, 289 yards. So pretty good passing volume still. Still got plenty of yards. Only two touchdowns through two interceptions. And barely anything on the ground. Again, he's not like a, t- a, a massive rusher or anything like that. And then again, against Indiana, much better performance. 329 yards, two touchdowns, another touchdown on the ground. I think that going up against Ohio State is definitely going to be closer to facing a defense like Auburn's. So you're probably looking at maybe a ceiling of 20, 22 points if Reed is actually able to go off. And I think you have a floor of him not scoring a single touchdown this weekend. I would absolutely sit Reed in this scenario. What about you, Justin?
1: Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I'm going to have to agree with you on this one for a lot of the reasons you stated. I, uh, generally, I I was
0: fully expecting us to agree on this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I generally don't like starting quarterbacks in games where I feel like they're going to be completely outmatched. I mean, the other two are on the opposite end of the spectrum, so you have that concern, but I'd rather roll the dice that way than the opposite way with Austin Reed. Uh So... Yeah, sorry, we're we're gonna agree on on the same two this week uh, on this one. Nah, that's, that's totally fine. Again, I, I I wanted to I wanted to
0: add this question because there were several several people who had Austin Reed in their quarterback questions this week, and I kind of felt like this was a good way to kind of one talk about like how do we navigate deciding between a quarterback who's going in like in, like you said going into a matchup where he's going to be outmatched versus you know the other opposite end of the spectrum in you know playing or being the one to outmatch your competition, the possibility of getting pulled early. I think we both agree that it's much better to roll the dice on being the one who is overmatching your opponent. And again, just so many people ask about Austin Reed in one way or another. I figured this was a great way to kind of add him in here. And hopefully all of you who did ask about Austin Reed this week, you kind of get the feeling that, you know, even though we love him as a stud, probably this is the week to sit him and go find yourself a better option, even on the waiver wire. You can probably find something better out there than trying to roll with him. Let's move on to the running backs here. Let's go to our next question here from Kyle. And you should go, by the way, go check out Kyle's stuff over on the Undroppables. He does really, really good Debbie and college stuff over there. He is asking in a one PPR league among three running backs. Samson Evans running back out of Eastern Michigan, you got Kavorian Barnes running back out of UTSA going up against Army, and then you have Jalen White running back out of Georgia Southern going up against Wisconsin. Justin, throwing this over to you first, sir, which one of these three running backs are you going with? Oh, wait, actually, before we get to that, real quick on the last question, the um our projections do agree with justin and i we have shuck at 31 fantasy points ward at 30 points and reed at 21 fantasy points this week and quite frankly i think he's going to end up lower than that 21 fantasy points there um that's what that's what the model says the model agrees with us justin anyway back to the other question again just a reminder samson evans kavorian barnes or jalen white this week justin who are you going with
1: yeah, this one I'll I'll keep it pretty simple. I don't really like the matchup for Barnes and White, uh, particularly Barnes, just because playing in service academies the game condenses quite a bit. They usually play pretty good defense, uh, so I don't really like that matchup. Jalen White uh, against Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin is typically a strong defense. Uh, I know it's a different different coaching regime this year, so it's hard hard to sort of assess that, but. Uh, one thing we do know for sure is Wisconsin's probably more talented than Georgia Southern their P5 program, Georgia Southern's G5 program. Uh, I know it's PPR, and uh, you know Jalen White does have the upside. but for me, I'm going to roll with the matchup guy here uh, in Samson Evans. Uh, we know he's kind of the volume pig in that backfield. Uh, you know he hasn't really uh, had any tremendous performances yet this uh, year, but I mean, it's the of conference schedule for these mag teams that's what you expect. Uh, this would be sort of one of those weekends where you finally get to start Samson Evans and feel confident that, okay, I mean, this should be a game where he sees 15, 20 touches. You're hoping 100 yards in and in a touchdown. That seems reasonable here to me.
0: In a regular scoring league, I would be fully on board with you, Justin. Again, I like the matchup for Samson Evans. I think that, you know, he'll probably get the most volume if this game is close between them and UMass. Or we could get what they got against Howard where he started off the game super well and then just disappeared for two quarters and then they finally brought him back for some reason. That was still one of the weirdest week one performances right there. And he performed well against Minnesota last week He had 11 carries for 73 yards. So like, you know, you're averaging over six yards a carry there. The Good on Samson, Samson Evans there. But this is not a regular scoring league. This is a one-point PPR league. And unfortunately, that does kind of drop Evans here a little bit for me and kind of brings him back in line with these other two here. I agree with you that White is the sit amongst the three here for sure. I think that he, again, I think this Georgia Southern offense has the opportunity to actually put up some points on Wisconsin. Again, just looking at what they had done to them against Uh, Washington State who runs a very very similar offense to Georgia Southern I think that you know the receiving game is or the passing game is definitely going to take advantage of Wisconsin but the Batchers have been pretty stout on rushing so far so you're kind of counting on Jalen White to get plenty of targets in this game in order for him to meet the value that he would normally get in a game and I just don't really see that considering again he has three receptions per game so far this year so that's pretty good target share for a running back. I just don't think that it's going to be enough to kind of put him back up to where you would want him to be. I'm going to start Kavorian and Barnes here. I like you kind of thought to myself like, okay, yeah, army, that's a pretty stout defense there. But then I went and looked at what they have done so far this year against some of their competition. And, you know, they played Delaware state last week. You know, they absolutely destroyed them. But the week before, Eulon Monroe ran all over Army. They like Eulon Monroe is not a good offensive team whatsoever, but they found a lot of success running the ball. UTSA, they've been kind of struggling, but the one thing that has been kind of consistent for them is that Kavorian Barnes is still performing well for them. So I think I'm going to roll with Kavorian Barnes this week. Again, he has caught uh, four balls so far this year, so he's involved in the passing game as well. They have a little bit more higher PPR upside than Samson Evans. I think that's who I'm gonna roll with out over Evans. So let me go ahead and put down our extra sit icons here. And before I forget, let me run through what our what our projections have. These guys at they actually have White as the number one running back here. White 18 fantasy points versus Barnes at 15 versus Evans at 13. So relatively close amongst all three of them here, I think that it is highly valuing what White has done over the last couple of weeks, isn't really kind of adjusting for Power 5 competition there quite yet. And then Evans, I think the stinker of a performance over the last two weeks is kind of keeping it from going up into what we know Evans's ceiling is uh when he gets into the right competition there. So I think all three of us have a point in which way we're going, but we'll see. Anything to rebut there, Justin,
1: or are you ready to move on? Uh, no, I mean, you make some good points there. I actually didn't know that about Army's week one performance. Uh, so that is interesting to know, but I will still rebuttal that in general, uh, those Service Academy games are pretty condensed because they're running very a true. lot as well. So,
0: no, I think it's a very good point, and I'm relying way too much on one week's worth of data
1: so well could, we're in week three so that's pretty much the best we have right
0: <laughs> you are not wrong <laughs> you are not wrong all righty let's go ahead and move on to our next question here this comes to us from basketball that's literally just what he's called on twitter just basketball this is a start two scenario here we have a lot of new guys that are kind of coming out of nowhere during the season clearly basketball has been working the waiver wire here he has Darius Taylor going up against North Carolina this week, or Chez Malusi running back out of Wisconsin going up against Georgia Southern, or Kyle Manungay, running back out of Rutgers going up against Virginia Tech here. I believe it is my turn to start here, so let me go ahead and get my notes out. There we go. I am going to go ahead and throw out who I'm starting here. I'm going to start Malusi. I think Malusi is probably the clear-cut guy I'm going to go with here. And then I'm going to go with Manungai. This is kind of weird because I kind of downplayed Manungai big time during the offseason because I was a big Samuel Brown fan here. But he had a really good performance last week. Again, 28 carries, 165 yards, and a touchdown. Now, what scares me is that he's only had 20 carries once before in his career in the very next week after that he went back down to nine carries the very next week. So like definitely a little bit worried there. Now, granted again, he went down back down to nine carries because I believe he played Penn State the next week and Penn State absolutely blew them out. So the game script got out of hand there versus here, this game between Rutgers and Virginia tech is expected to be a lot closer than that. In fact, I believe Rutgers is favored so The game script should be in their favor. And if if they're willing to give Monung 28 carries last week, against Temple in a positive game script there. I think that Kyle Manunga should probably expect to get, you know, probably around 20 carries again this week. Hopefully he can do a lot with those like he was able to do last week. And then Malusi's the other play here. Very, actually very similar stuff going on here. Clearly last week when Wisconsin fell behind Washington State, the running back suffered big time. Between him and Braylon Allen, both of them kind of got game scripted out there for the most part. But they're going up against Georgia Southern this week. They're 19-point favorites there. I think Belusi will have much closer to a performance like he had in week one against Buffalo, against Georgia Southern, than what he had last week. So he's the one I'm going to start. It's kind of crazy because I hyped up Darius Taylor so much this past week because I was like, oh, he's like the number one running back you should be targeting on your waiver wires this week. That doesn't mean necessarily start him. I was really big on like you need to have him on your roster and see what happens this week. I think last week was a little bit, you know, a little bit of a, you know, a relative blowout situation, you know, how how much is Minnesota going to blow out any team. So they were like, "Hey, let's give the true freshman see what he's got when he give him 33 carries." I think they were impressed by what they saw for sure. I just think it's going to be a little bit more split between him and Tyler this next upcoming week playing against Power 5 competition. There's not going to be that blowout scenario. And also, UNC, again, we know they have a they have a good offense. Minnesota's defense is pretty stout, don't get me wrong. But what happens when Minnesota falls behind UNC? I doubt they're going to continue to keep handing it off to the running backs, especially when they've been so gung-ho about the fact that they want to pass more this year. They're going to want to see what they have out of Kaliak Manis in that situation. So I think he's in the most danger of getting game scripted out here and also not living up to the volume that he had this past week, so I'm rolling with Malusi and Monungai. Justin, where
1: are you rolling? So, just to clarify, is this a standard or a full PPR league?
0: Um, this is, I believe, standard.
1: Yeah, not that it really matters that much. I don't think any three of these guys really used that much in the past game. Uh, this one is interesting. Um, I've actually this week had like uh, multiple people sort of reach out to me in DMs to. to talk to me about Darius Taylor from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's definitely like a, a hot asset this week. And, and uh, people have made some compelling points in my DMs. Uh, and they've prompted me to put in a, a waiver claim in a couple of my leagues for him. Uh, but on a lot of the points that you made, I, I do agree. And I, I hope you're right on Monongai, because again, he's a player I have in our 2014 league. Uh, and this feels like a great matchup. I mean, they're favored, but it's a competitive game. So it should be close to the end, but they should lean heavy run. Uh, and it's, it, that's a weird backfield, as you're mentioning. They're, they've they been all over the place. Like Monongai, he had 20 carries last weekend, but before that, uh, it was somebody who was like the freshman, Benjamin, who had like 20 carries. Uh, so I, I don't know if it's going to be like a different player every weekend. He's getting not, volume. Man. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, well, CFF managers are definitely hoping not. Uh, we'll have to see, um, but I, I hope that sort of you're right about that, and I agree with you on on that point, that Monongai would be a player I'd start as well. Uh, and Ches Malusi, I believe, was involved in one of these sit start questions last week. Uh, and I picked him in one of those. Uh, he did okay. Uh, he outperformed his teammate, Brill and Allen. Um, basically, all his points last week came from like five receptions. If you were in a PPR league, that was five mm-hmm. points right there. Uh, but he's actually, I mean, he outcarried Allen last weekend. And um, like the first half of their first week, uh, I believe he outcarried Allen quite a bit. Uh, and then Allen kind of surged in the second half. So so that one, you know, Wisconsin's clearly sort of a, a two-committee approach. But, you know, Malusi's way more involved than I think a lot of people probably expected this season. Uh, and I like him a lot in this game to also find the end zone. I mean, uh, Wisconsin should be able to have their way in the trenches versus Georgia Southern. And uh, You mentioned it in the last one, should. And you mentioned in the last one that Georgia Southern, you know, should be able to, to inflict some damage back to Wisconsin and keep the game you know, uh, keep Wisconsin on their heels at least enough to want to keep the foot on the accelerator. So I like Malusi and, and like you, I mean, I'm quite intrigued by Taylor. Uh, you know, had a monster performance last weekend, uh, but I, I do want to sort of wait and see what happens this weekend and see what that distribution is like. Cause you know, Tyler was still quite involved last weekend. Uh, he also had like 19 carries or something like that. So.
0: Yeah. Again, I, I just to reiterate with Taylor again, like it is kind of a weird dichotomy for me to be sitting here being like, you cannot leave this guy on the waiver wire, but also at the same time, like you also cannot start him this week. Not, not just because of the matchup, but also because like, we still don't know, but it's like we, the ceiling's way too high with him to just leave him out there. But I fully endorse letting him sit on your waiver, especially against UNC this week. Let or not. Don't let him sit on the waiver. Let him sit on your bench this week. See what you have in him And then kind of make your decision on what you want to do next there. But for right now, I'm glad we agree on this one. Let's go ahead and put those back here. And let's move on to some wide receiver questions. This one comes to us from Mr. Nolan Morris. It's a half PPR league. And we got three pretty solid receivers that he is deciding between. Uh, Nolan, I hope you have some real studs in your other starting spots for your wide receivers. Because this is a pretty hard choice, in my opinion, between these three guys here. got xavier worthy going up against wyoming this week or you can go xavier weaver going up against colorado state or mr jamal banks wide receiver out of wake forest going up against old dominion throwing this over to you justin which one of these three guys are you gonna go with
1: yeah no i agree this is this is a tough one and i don't want to interrupt the flow too much here maybe at the end we can talk about what the model said with the last matchup
0: oh shoot yeah Uh, my bad yeah
1: yeah yeah Yeah, no it's all good um for this one, yeah, you know, all three are really good options. Um, and are we picking one or two? Sorry, You're picking you one. Just picking one. Okay. I know, right? Like this, uh, this,
0: this this dude better have a loaded wide receiver room. Otherwise, you probably need to find a way to get multiple of these guys in your lineup.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even really know what to say. Like, I, can, You can't go wrong, really, with any of them. And then at this point, it's almost like a random bounce. I mean, uh, you know, regarding Worthy... Uh, well, actually, what I would say is Weaver and Worthy are similar in the fact that they both play for really explosive offenses. Um, and well, that's, I guess, the similarity between those two. In Worthy's case, you know, Texas, I know Wyoming's unbeaten, but I mean, Texas is expected to sort of uh win that one handedly, so there is that risk where maybe you know, Worthy isn't really needed in the second half. Whereas Weaver, we've seen Colorado's secondary is, is bad enough to keep anybody in the game, so mm-hmm. he would sort of top. Uh, in terms of those two, comparing those two, um, as far as Weaver versus Banks, uh, I, I honestly I don't know if I can really <laughs> say definitively one way or the other. Uh, Weaver's been red hot, you know that Colorado offense they funnel targets basically to the same three or wide receivers, which is fantastic. Wake Forest does something similar. I mean, Banks has been pretty good the first two weeks. He scored I believe in back to back weekends. Um, you know he didn't have a monster performance last weekend, but he was still quite involved and. Old Dominion's pretty bad. I mean, they were in the shootout last week against uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, both quarterbacks had fantastic performances. So I expect this one to be, you know, I, I expect Wake Forest to have their way. Uh, and I'd expect Banks to score on this one as well. So I'm, I'm going to be honest, like I don't, between Banks and Weaver, I, I really don't have a preference. Let me just choose Banks just because I feel like you're going to choose Weaver.
0: <laughs> well, sir, you are correct there, actually. i I am going to choose Weaver out of these, three and I I don't want to oversimplify some of these things sometimes but I do have like kind of my reasoning here Um, and it is it does kind of boil down to a couple of key stats here and it really is their targets. Weaver and Worthy in terms of volume, are above Banks. Banks has only been averaging 6.5 targets per game the last couple of games. Again, he is in that wonderful X receiver position that is the Wake Forest offense, so I expect him to have some really monster games. But if you're... like When it's this close between all three of these guys and how well they perform so far, probably going to lean towards Worthy and Weaver there because of the volume. And then I'm going to choose Weaver solely because of... Two things with Colorado. One, I don't trust their running game as much as Wake Forest or Texas at this point. So they're gonna they're gonna continue to pass a ton. It's the Sean Lewis system. They're gonna want to pass a ton over there. And then th- the other thing is that look at all of the hype and the swag around Colorado. Dion's gonna light that scoreboard up as much as possible. That's their entire brand. They don't give a crap. Who their opponent is, they want to have that air of dominance against anybody they play. They want to brag about how many points they're able to put up there, and they're going to keep their guys in to do it. So I think worthy out of these three is probably, excuse me, Weaver out of these three has the most scoring opportunity out of the bunch here. Texas is going to want to rest their guys at some point because you know they realize that they have probably a special team there. They're going to want to you know, save them for down the line when they're competing for the Big 12, potentially for a playoff spot. Colorado, as much swagger as they have right now, I really think they're being realistic to themselves, being like, you know, let's score the points now before we start losing some games and everything like that. It's a little bit narrative-based, but I'm going to roll with Weaver here. I think I feel pretty good about that. All right, let's move back our tokens here, and let's go ahead and move on to our second well, wide. Oh, oh before we yeah. move
1: on, so what? What does the model say? for this The one model
0: the says one? for this one. Thank you, Justin. You're that. That's your official job now is to remind me to. I feel like I'm the voice
1: of the listener. Who's? You know, yeah.
0: Who's? Who's? Yeah. What's the model? What's the model? Yes, model here agrees with me. Weaver at twenty three point eight six fantasy points agrees with you as the second option. Banks at nineteen. And then Worthy at 18.23. So pretty close between Worthy and Banks. And it has Weaver about four to five points ahead of both of those guys. So we'll see. And again, to interrupt the flow, going back to basketball's question, it has Malusi at 17.5 fantasy points, Manungai at 14.3, and then Taylor at 12. So now that we're caught up on that, let's talk about our second wide receiver question here. This one comes to us from Tim Dorick. This is a start two question here between, quite frankly, once again, three waiver wire guys. Like, Tim, you've clearly been working the waiver wire, and you've got some really, really good options here. Between Eric Brooks going up against Arizona State this week, you got Gage Larvadane going up against Cincinnati, or you can go with Chris Mitchell, wide receiver at FIU, going up against UConn. So... I believe I go first on this one. These guys are all very, very similar. They're all studs who have broken out during this season. Guys, you've picked up off the waiver wire. You got Eric Brooks averaging 12.5 targets per game so far. Larva Dane, 12. Chris Mitchell, 11. They're all guys with insane volume so far. It's really hard to say that you're going to go wrong with any matchup between two of the three here. So I think what I'm going to do is just do that and play matchup. I'm going to definitely roll with Chris Mitchell. I think FIU, given the fact that they are much improved in the passing game since week one, since they made the change at quarterback there, I think Chris Mitchell's in for another pretty good week there against UConn. And then the other guy I'm going to go with is Eric Brooks, the wide receiver out of Fresno State going up against Arizona State. Not only does he have the highest number of targets so far during the season, again not much, he has like one more target than Larver Dane. We've seen Fresno State go up against Power 5 competition already and against weaker Power 5 competition in Purdue. Eric Brooks had a phenomenal game there. They should be able to put points up against a Arizona State team that is still trying to figure itself out and pretty much is kind of I don't want to say they punted for the year, but like you can kind of tell that like they still have a lot to figure out. I think Fresno State's going to definitely go in there and want to prove that they can compete with the big boys pretty consistently, especially with all the conference realignment stuff going on and everything like that. So I'm going to rely on Eric Brooks there, and I'm going to sit Gage Dane for probably the last time this season because Dane's about to go absolutely ape when it comes to the maxion in just next week. Justin, which two are you going with here out of these three, frankly, really good options?
1: Yeah, they are really good options, and uh, I agree about the point on Larvidane, If you're a shareholder of his, you're sort of salivating, waiting. Basically, this is the last weekend where, you know, the matchup is a bit dicey, and then it's pretty much smooth sailing. Um, I agree in terms of the clear clear guy that I like the most is Chris Mitchell from FIU. Uh, You look at him, you know, week zero was not good, uh, but that was more a function of the offense in general not being good. They... Started the season with starting quarterback, Grayson James.
0: Justin, are you telling me that when when your offense only has four passing yards, that's not good for the (laughs) receivers?
1: Yeah, who who would have thought, right? Like, uh, you know, I mean, you could only really get points off of receptions if you're in a PPR league at that point. Uh, So it wasn't good for Chris Mitchell. Uh, And then sort of week one, week two, all of a sudden you're seeing 11 targets each game, Um, scoring touchdowns, uh, racking up receiving yards, you know, that. Tends to happen uh, when you're being targeted that much. Uh, so you sort of wonder, okay, what changed? And you mentioned it, Jared, at the top there. We made the quarterback switch. Uh, Keon Jenkins. I don't know if he's a true freshman. I know he's a freshman. Maybe true a freshman. freshman. True freshman. Okay, there you go. Uh, he was a superstar at Miami Central. Really big recruiting win for FIU. Uh, and he seems to have established like a good rapport with Chris Mitchell so far. So um, I think you want to continue to ride that. And His matchup is fantastic too. That's a oh, great yeah. matchup. Um, there's no complaints there. In terms of the other two, uh, it's hard to disagree with a lot of what you said. Um, I don't feel that strongly between the two of them. Uh, but in terms of a matchup, Fresno State versus Arizona State is better than Miami, Ohio versus Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati traditionally is pretty good defensively. Again, it's a new coaching staff, so it's hard, hard to really come up with a true assessment of that. But, um, you know, Arizona State's sort of bottom of the barrel of the P5. Resino State's kind of at the top of the G5 so there is kind of a nice matchup there uh
0: well Cincinnati's and, not a G5 anymore
1: yeah I guess so well yeah they're P5 now right and but they're they're decent they're decently solid um, but in terms of matchup I, I still prefer Fresno State versus Arizona State uh, versus Miami of Ohio versus Cincinnati uh, so I hate to do it. Uh, again, I guess this is a long-winded explanation just to end up agreeing with you. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's that's who I'm rolling with.
0: No, I think it's good for people to hear. Like, you, Even if we have kind of similar thought process, I think it helps people. If if they had a similar thought process, Like, that's where they were thinking. They're like, okay, it's good to hear that both of them kind of agree with me on that point. I'll also throw out there for Chris Mitchell. Again, another reason why I think he's a clear start out of the three of them here. We've seen him be productive in two different kind of games. Again, against Maine, FIU put up 14 points. And Chris Mitchell was basically the entire offense in that game. Last week in a shootout, Chris Mitchell obviously was still very involved there. They're going to involve him no matter what. Uh, so and if you're worried about like, oh, maybe UConn's defense is pretty solid and they have less scoring opportunity. Well, history tells us that you know Chris Mitchell is probably where that scoring is coming from. So you should still feel pretty good about that. All righty. Moving back our tokens. The model, before I forget here, actually has Larvardain as the number one option here. 18.4 fantasy points here. It has Brooks at 17.6. It has Mitchell all the way down at 12 point... Actually, it rounds up to uh, about 13 fantasy points. I think that it is still kind of weighing that week one... Or that week zero performance just a little bit too much there. I imagine yeah. that that would probably be upwards it probably would be the number one scorer here if they if we just chopped off that week zero performance there but you know that's how models go sometimes um again that's why you have to have the human element there when you're making these decisions so let's move on to our flex questions here and we'll start with mr justin nottingham's question here he looks like he's in a pretty a little bit deeper league here kind of some non-traditional options here For a lot of people, you got Dylan Edwards, the running back out, the true freshman running back out of Colorado going up against Colorado State. You have Bo Collins, the wide receiver out of Clemson going up against FAU this weekend. And then you have Noah Thomas, the wide receiver out of Texas A&M going up against UL Monroe, kind of coming out of nowhere to be the number two target for Texas A&M this upcoming weekend. So Justin, throwing it over to you, man, which one of these guys are you going to roll with?
1: Yeah, this one catches me off guard. I mean, these guys are really, this must be a pretty a pretty deeply question. Uh, there isn't really like a, a fantastic option amongst the three. Sort really of the opposite of some of the other questions we have, where there's too many good options. This one, you have to dig a little deeper. Uh, Noah Thomas has been kind of a surprise on that a team. I mean, we knew Evan Stewart was going to be really involved. Uh, we were thinking probably Muhammad would be wide receiver too. So Dick Thomas has taken that over. Uh, and they have a decent matchup versus ULM. Um, Bo Collins quietly uh, over the last couple of weeks has been pretty good. He's had like seven and 10 targets. I just looked up the stats real quick now on fan tracks. Uh, so that target volume is pretty good. And their matchup also is, is actually quite good uh, against FAU, I would say. Um, you know, Dylan Edwards, he had that massive game week one, won. Uh, but it was, it was kind of a weird ratio where he scored like four touchdowns on, I believe it was like 10 or 11 total touches. Uh, which is not, you know, it's, it's not really something you'd want to bank on. Uh, although we would expect in this game probably a lot of points to be scored. Um, but if he's scoring, you're thinking it, it might be a reception rather than like an actual rush. And they've had, they've struggled to actually run the ball. Um, oddly yeah. enough, but they've done, they've done really well passing and they, they seem to want to do that a lot. Uh, are we picking one or two here? Sorry, should you're I We are picking one. All right. If we're picking one, uh, li- immediately I'm going to eliminate Edwards just because I, I don't really know what to expect from him. I mean, you know, the upside's quite high, but um, yeah, his role there is kind of undefined. Um, as, regarding both Collins and Noah Thomas, I mean, they're both kind of the wide receiver twos of their team. I mean, Antonio Williams kind of looks like the guy, Clemson, maybe not as defined as uh, Texas a Evan Stewart. Um, this one's kind of tough. Uh, I'll probably roll with both Collins here. Um, but I don't really have like much of a reason to choose him over Noah Thomas. I'm just kind of picking because uh, I have to between the two. Um, you know, uh, both have pretty good matchups. Uh, I like the target volume Bill Collins has seen in the last two weeks, so probably roll with that. Justin,
0: I love how much we're going to disagree on this question. Mm-hmm. My immediate elimination is Noah Thomas. Um, he's only seen 5.5 targets per game over the last two games there. He has seen four touchdowns in the first two games. That's a pretty insane touchdown ratio for the amount of volume that he is getting. So I am going to say that he's not going to do that again this week against UL Monroe. I think that you're going to find some touchdowns. Love going to other people there. Bo Collins and Donovan Edwards are decently close in my opinion. But if you're playing in a league that is this you know, deep, you're, I think Bo Collins is probably the safer play out of these two. But you're not going to win your week by playing it safe if it's this late. This is going to sound so insane for me after I just railed against Dylan Edwards earlier this week and on Twitter. But yeah, he had an absolutely freakishly insane game week one against Texas or against TCU, right? So much of his production came off super explosive plays where he out-athleted everybody. Well, guess what he can do who he can do that against? A team like Colorado State. And I already mentioned, like you said, Colorado's gonna want to put up some points in this game. They're going to want to have that wow factor. Dylan Edwards, I think, is gonna have some massively explosive plays in this game, and that's who I'm gonna rely on versus Bo Collins. I think could easily in a blowout game against FAU. Clemson still thinks that he can do some stuff this year. He could possibly be sat early. So, I'm going to roll with Dylan Edwards in the swagger of Colorado this week. So, just banking on explosiveness right there. The model... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I I guess I disagree
1: that Clemson might even be in a blowout against FAU based on what I've seen through the first couple of weeks. I know they blew out, what was it, Charleston Southern last weekend, but uh, week one didn't look great against Duke.
0: You know, that's probably a fair point. Um, The model... here agrees with you, Justin, the model has Bo Collins at 22.4 fantasy points. So it really, really likes him this week. It has Noah Thomas at 18.88 fantasy points. Again, I think it's, you know, predict I think it's thinking that touchdowns are a little bit too easy to come by for him. And then it actually has my guy Edwards, the lowest at 18.8. So not too much lower. They expect a big week out of him. This it expects a big week out of him this week, but you know, I, I disagree with you, with you in the bottle. So we'll see who's mm-hmm. right. Come next week. It could probably, if, if I stink this week, when it comes to sit starts, it's going to be cut because of this question. Guarantee it. Let's go ahead and move on to our next flex question. Oop, almost forgot to put back our tokens. There we go. This one comes to us from Mr. Gabe Porter, one point PPR here asking between one wide receiver and two running backs here. Sam Brown versus TCU, the wide receiver out of Houston, or Jace McClellan uh, running back out of u or out of Alabama going up against usF this weekend, and then you also have Nathan Carter going up against Washington, the running back out of Michigan state there. I hate to say because, again, I like Jason McClellan quite a bit. I think he is much better than the performance that he was able to put up against Texas this past weekend. I think, you know, game script kind of got out of hand for Alabama there. They couldn't really, you know, dink and dunk with the running game like they really wanted to. So he his be- his best days are ahead of him for the season. But we kind of touched on it in week one, Justin, where... These blowout games for Alabama, they're going to sit him pretty early. You're kind of you're kind of hoping for an explosive play from him early on. Otherwise, they're going to quickly go to some of the backs behind him. So he is a sit here amongst these three. And then that leaves Nathan Carter and uh, Sam Brown. Nathan Carter, very much a surprise for Michigan State. Again, it's nice to see Michigan State have a... Workhorse running back again. Again, last time we saw them have that, it was Kenneth Walker. He's got pretty good receptions out of the backfield. So, you know, there's that PPR element there as well. I just don't know what the scoring opportunity we're going to have with Michigan State up against Washington this upcoming week. Now, maybe Washington's defense is worse than I'm giving it credit for here. I would just rather roll with a guy like Sam Brown, especially in a PPR league where, like I said, he's getting a pretty insane number of targets every week here it's between him and golden fighting for the, that number one spot on a week in and week out basis. And like I said, the touchdowns are going to come for him. I can fully, I fully see Sam Brown pulling in at least one to two touchdowns in this game, this upcoming week. So he's the one I'm going to roll with out of these
1: three, Justin, which one are you going with? Yeah, for me, uh, this one, the choice is pretty obvious. Actually I'll cut to the chase. Uh, Sam Brown would be my pick. Uh, regarding McClellan uh, I'm much more skeptical on him than you are Uh, but even you know even if you are bullish on him this matchup this week uh, it's not ideal for sort of the obvious reasons that we've discussed here and and you know Alabama is going to come back on a bounce back game Uh, they're just going to absolutely murder USF probably Uh, that's what we'd assume Uh, regarding Nathan Carter uh, I agree with your take I mean Probably Washington is going to be in the lead for almost all of this game. I also really like taking players, uh, and this is sort of off the field, but like of programs that are in flux that have a lot of uncertainty uh, in that Very moment. True. Uh, it, it's just kind of a, a pet peeve of mine. Um, I do sort of like that they they brought in, I guess, their old head coach Mark D'Antonio uh, as like a consultant, and then they have like a defensive coach who's now the head coach, which generally spells uh, good news for the run game. Usually, the defensive guys like to just run it. Uh, and D'Antonio was the head coach when Le'Veon Bell was there like a long time ago, and 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 they absolutely fed him the rock consistently. So, you know, maybe Nathan Carter, he could be a guy, you know, throughout the season who's, who's just absolutely uh, a volume pig in that backfield. But for this weekend, I really don't like that play. I don't really like the uncertainty. I don't like the matchup. So it's just pretty across the board for me about Nathan Carter's not really a player I'd want to play. This weekend sam brown there aren't really that many question marks i mean he's he's getting consistent volume he's in the game that's a good matchup they should score a lot of points there's not really a lot to dislike there
0: yeah i'm just going to end up reordering what you said there um for the most part so yeah we're in full agreement there does the model agree though Yes, it does. Uh, It has Brown at 19.8 fantasy points for this week. Second option, it has Carter at 17.4. Obviously, kind of banking on those last two big weeks there. And then it has McClellan at 12.18. I think there's a decent chance that McClellan scores higher than that this weekend. I think there's, you know, McClellan could reach 15 to 20 points this weekend. Again, one explosive play, touchdown, boom. He's good for the week and everything like that. But in terms of just the safety and everything, I agree. The same I agree with you and the model. Sam Brown's probably the best play out of this bunch, especially in a full-point PPR league here. Let's go ahead and move our tokens back for our final question here, our final tight end question. This one comes to us from Aaron Wilcox. He is asking, again, a little bit of old blood versus new blood here. Or I I say old blood versus new blood. Preseason favorite versus new season icon or in-season icon here. Got Luke Lachey going up against Western Michigan this week. Or... Isaac Rex, tight end out of BYU, going up against Arkansas. I believe it is your turn, Justin. I'm going to throw it over to you before I start talking people's heads off.
1: <laughs> yeah, for this, um, for me, actually, this one's pretty pretty simple also. Uh, I like Lachey here. Um, both players, both tight ends are pretty involved in their team's offense. And Rex had a really good game this past weekend. So a lot of targets. Lachey has been seeing good targets both weekends. He's had pretty good performances both weekends. Uh, and they're just playing a team that's worse than them. But, you know, Western Michigan, as we've mentioned, uh, they seem to want to play at a fast pace. And I was sort of the antithesis of that. But at the very least, like they should be able to get the ball back quickly uh, and they should be able to score on Western Michigan uh, versus, say, BYU is playing an SEC opponent. Now, I know most of the SEC teams have lost their out-of-conference games these past two weekends, but I I still think Arkansas is probably a better program than BYU. At least it'll be harder for them to score versus Arkansas compared to, I think, Lachey and Iowa versus Western Michigan. So for me, this is more so a matchup play, uh, but also Lachey has been a little bit more consistent uh, between the two weeks versus Rex. who kind of popped off last weekend. Uh, It wasn't as strong the first weekend. So for me, I'm going to roll with Lachey here.
0: I'm going to pretty much sound like a broken record if I go too deep into it here. I'm just going to go ahead and say, yeah, I'm starting Lachey. I'm starting Rex. These two are, in my opinion, you know, two of the most important tight ends right now. They're tight ends that lead their team and targets through two weeks. Again, will that keep up? We'll see. But for right now, like that's just kind of what you want to target. Again, Isaac Rex is available in a lot of leagues right now. I need to see if how much his percentage went up after this past week. But like, he's available in like two thirds of the leagues going into this week. So if you're struggling at tight end, you have to be willing to pay a pretty pay a pretty penny for him there. But I'm still gonna roll with Lachey. Like you said, it's the matchup. One's playing down to compet- or playing lesser competition. The other one's probably playing up in competition there. I like the scoring opportunities for Lachey. He deserves a couple more touchdowns coming his way because I don't think he scored a touchdown yet this year. So let's hope that gets fixed this weekend. I think it's a very big week for Lachey here. Hope that answers your question. Aaron, what does the model say? I'm going to actually ask you, Justin. What do you think Mm -hmm. the model
1: says? I'm going to guess it's going to go with Lachey because he's had sort of a more consistent... Point but la- Actually, no, because I, I know from the last couple of questions, it seems like the model awaits touchdowns quite a bit. Uh, I know Rex had a big game last weekend. I don't know if he scored. Uh, let me look. I believe that up he real scored quick. a touchdown last week. He did. Yeah, and as you said, I don't think Lachey has scored yet. So uh, I'm just purely basing this off of my observations of what the model seems to wait uh, over the past couple of questions. Perhaps uh, let me roll Rex. It is Lachey, but it is by okay.
0: it is by point zero five fantasy points. They have Lachey at oh, twelve point four three and Rex at twelve point three eight. I I just thought it was super close, and I was just like, all right, let's see, let's see if he gets it right. Alrighty, well that pretty much brings us to the end of our show here, guys. Another fun week. Another, you guys did a really really good job. Uh, bringing in the questions not only did we just have an absolute crap load of them to sort through this week but like there was a lot of really really good questions that i think could have really come down on either side on a lot of those questions so keep it up y'all excited to see what you guys have for us this next upcoming week Speaking of this next upcoming week, first of all, over here at Campus of make sure you go check out the tailgate on Saturday mornings. They do pretty much what we do here, except live. They answer sit-start questions. They talk about betting. They talk about the upcoming week and everything. A perfect little gateway for you to start your Saturday mornings over there. And then, of course, make sure you check out our post-week um, coverage with the Waver Wire show releasing on Mondays every single week. But, Justin, what about you, sir? What are you? What can people kind of expect from you and the volume pigs pen over there in terms of content for this next upcoming week?
1: Yeah, uh, same as always. You know, plugging along, uh, basically, I do sort of waiver wire reports every Sunday now. I do sort of a weekly recap. I'm still doing sort of individual player profiles or team profiles anytime there's an interesting case like Hawaii's offense or Western Michigan's offense. Uh, so any time sort of something surprising happens, I try to do sort of a deep dive in there and, and look at sort of um, the coaching and the staff in place and the historical patterns of production that the positions of interest. Uh, I also sometimes publish on campus again. I haven't in a little while. I, I promise I will be getting back to that soon. Uh, I contributed as well on the fan tracks uh, with um, John Logg, Green Iron Scholars, weekly of uh, Wire Gemstones, I believe it's called. Yes, sir. Uh, so you can usually catch me writing a couple of profiles there. Uh, but yeah, no, I think that's about it on my end. Um, you can always find me on Twitter. Jared usually tags me in the posts whenever you post these videos. So yes, sir. you can find me there. Volume takes is linked in my bio. Uh, come check it out. It's, uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty good time.
0: All righty guys. Well, really appreciate you guys. We are finishing right on time here today. So that is always good to see. Really appreciate you guys listening. I hope you guys all win your fantasy matchups this next upcoming week. But until then, I will watch the games on Saturday and see you guys back here next week on Monday. Until then, have a wonderful week. See you.